This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. We, we lost coverage. We were there. We, we, we let the guy with 38 goals get behind us. We were there. We just lost coverage. That was Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus. Welcome to Jets at Noon. I'm Tyson Ruwicki in for Cam Poitras alongside Jim Toth. And Jim, we have an absolutely packed show today after that that hard-fought loss in Toronto. Yuck. Always <laughs> sucks losing to the Leafs. If you have any texts or thoughts on the game, text us at 204-780-6868. We'll have Jamie Thomas joining us after the 1230 news. And then we have some Kings some Kings quotes to talk about, Jim. Those were a little interesting. Kings cookie night. Oh, yeah. There's, as Drew Doughty said. Do you think that uh, Drew Doughty's more of a chocolate chip kind of guy or maybe like a like an oatmeal? I think he's more of a... A smasher. He's, he's <laughs> had it with the cookies, and he smashed all the freshly baked cookies that oh, were out there last night. There is no way the Kings are having any cookies no. over the next little bit. Great but. quote, but we'll talk about that a little later, too. An interesting game. Good to have you aboard, my man. Um, yeah, it was an interesting game last night. So here's the, the thing on the text line as well. 780-6868. Some people in our newsroom were bored to death with that game and, and was napping and said, when is something going to happen? And other people like myself and Greg Macklin, I love the game. Absolutely adored it. Um, I think it's more of a, if I left that game and I'm a Leafs fan, I'd be way more concerned than if I left the game and I'm a Jets fan. To me, absolutely, um, the Leafs snuck one out there. Uh, they've benched their top line. They've got some issues going on, as we all know. But a real good story for uh, Samsonov last night to come back and, as his post-game coach said when they were chanting his name, to feel like he had uh, was going to cry and stuff. So lots of storylines around it. But look, when you don't have two of your top three, pl- top two players in the top line and you don't have Josh Morrissey for the majority of the game, I, I think that's about as, that's a great game for you. Right, and also, like, this is, it seems kind of, Doom and gloom, a little bit like the weather today. Maybe the Mother Nature kind of caught the vibe that Jets fans were feeling last night. But, I mean, this is the first time the team has lost consecutive games since late November when they lost, I believe it was three games to Nashville, Dallas, and Edmonton right at the end of November. And for all the chips that were kind of stacked against them, like you come into this game, no Shifley, no Velarde, like you mentioned. Kyle Connor's still coming back from injury. Ehlers has been battling some injuries. And then you lose your arguably not just your best defenseman, but your best skater. Like yeah. all, to come out and put on the performance that they did. I think that's a lot of credit to this Jets team. Well, and to me, what stood out was they got back to their system, right? The defensive style that really limited what Toronto could get going. Um, the penalty kill looked great. I think they were lucky on two of them. There were some really gl- glorious chances that a bounce just went the wrong way, but to, to shut them down for five power plays in a row. And then, like I said, to not have the firepower, I would have liked to seen some depth scoring come through. Like my one to watch yesterday was the Mestikoff, and I thought he did pretty good on that top line. He created a little bit. Um, but it's it's almost double-digit games now since the Niederreiters and the Ayafalos and and um, the Nemestikovs has, has put up some production. And that was a game last night that, you know, you got to the third, you got the power play. I'd like to see something happen. Uh, Rasmus Kupari had some great looks. Oh, yeah. It would have been great if they could have got one or, or just at least the one in overtime and, and got the two points. But they got a point and, like I said, depleted lineup. But to me, what, what Rick Bonus was talking about after the Boston game on exiting their zone and the systems and all that, it looked like it was right back in place. And I think it sparks a great conversation because when people were debating in our, our room today, our newsroom, about whether that was a great game or a boring game, um, like Greg Macklin said, you play that in the playoffs and you're going to go a long way. And and I agree with that. And that's, again, I think you're going to open it up a bit more. 
Um, they still need to work on the power play, but I think it's a positive to go into Toronto, be missing those guys, lose Josh Morrissey in the game. And um, I, Elliot Friedman said during the intermission, it's catastrophic to lose Josh Morrissey, and I agree. So we'll wait for a health report the team's off today. But I, I think there's a lot more positives out of that game for the Jets than there is negatives. Yeah, and I mean, there's a difference between low-scoring games. I don't think just because the game's low-scoring it necessarily means it's a bad game, right? There's still a lot of chances on both sides, and even... We saw something in that game we very rarely see it with a two on oh. short a shorthanded two on oh. I mean, maybe you would probably like maybe two other guys on the team to get that chance a little bit, but like Samsonov to stick in there and he was he was dialed in all night. But here's the thing on that too. Like I, I don't think they got too deep. I don't think they overpassed. I thought they played it right. And when I went back to Lowry for the shot, I was like, that's like I always worry about the one too many passes on a two on oh, but it wasn't, and it was just a great save. And then the rebound came to Barron. He got it off. It just couldn't get it up high enough. To me, that's just more better goaltending. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous on a two two on oh and you don't score, but I just thought Samsonov made two big saves. Yeah, it wasn't like they they fumbled it around. Like Larry was still able to get a really good shot off. And you mentioned the penalty kill just a little bit before that, Jim, and it kind of seems like the penalty kill starting to pick it up now. You know, we saw last year one of the better penalty kills in the league. The personnel didn't really change that much, but they had just struggled to keep pucks out of their net. And now we're looking at, I, they've killed the last 15 penalties they've taken. And the last power play, power play goal that they gave up was against the Flyers. Their power play still has some question marks, but I want to ask you, what do you think this Jets penalty kill has been doing over the past couple of games that's different than what they were doing before? Well, I think they're more aggressive. I think they're filling in the lanes as well. Um, but you're right. This is another topic I wanted to ask our listeners about how they feel. Like to me, Laurent Brassois last night was magnificent, and he has been magnificent. The system the Jets played, it's real interesting, right? Because you have Connor Hellebuck back there. Um, he is the league leader in saves on high score, high danger chances, and I, I just, and he's not having as many as nearly as he's seen. So to me, it's goaltending, of course, on penalty killing. And I think we saw that last night with Samsonov, um, who had a really good game. But I do think it's it's just they're a little bit more aggressive. They're filling the lanes and they're getting to the spots that they want to be in too. Uh, it's the opposite of the power play. Like to me, it just still doesn't move fast enough. It's not instinctive. And I, I, I'm getting a little frustrated watching guys get a pass on the power play look and then go somewhere else and look, stop looking, move the puck. Like it should be yeah. instinctive that if you're coming to me, I'm either going to shoot or I'm going to put this low on the net or I'm going to put it back to somebody. It's the holding and the looking, and it just allows the defenders to get in every single lane. Um, and, and to me, that's what I think it needs to get out of it is to just start firing some pucks and moving it instinctively. And if you hit a shin guard and it goes out of the zone, so be it. It's not going to get any worse. Yeah, like if exactly. they lose, if they lose the leave the zone in a two minute power play seventeen times, it's not going to get any worse than what it looks like right now. So just become more instinctive and quickly. But the penalty kill to me has come around, and I, I think one of the players, I forget which one, on the pregame show when or postgame show was asked about it. He said, "Well, Scott O'Neill, and I don't know how to quantify this, but he said Scott O'Neill said to us a couple of weeks ago, it's about pride. Like we used to be in the top ten in the National Hockey League last year. You guys got to find your pride in killing these penalties again, and I think that's." Kind of what is set in a bit. Yeah, and also on the post game show as well. I I forget what player mentioned it as well, but he mentioned just the fact that the forwards back pressure has been tremendous the last couple of games, and that's such yeah. a key part, especially on zone entries, especially with a team like Toronto where they have really skilled guys. And a lot of their zone entries are kind of based on having either Marner's, Matthews, or Nylander just carry the puck in and set things up on their own. 
when you have that back pressure coming from the forwards, it's really tough to set up in the offensive zone. The Jets did a really good job there. Um, just on the power play, too, this one, this game's a little bit harder to judge because of the injuries, right? Like, you you were missing three of your part, key units on that top power play just for this game. But I agree with you 100%, Jim. The movement is lackadaisical. There's not a, there's just not enough going on there, and it's very predictable. And they brought up this stat in the post-game show as well last night, Derek Taylor and Christian O'Mell. But the Jets are 29th on face-offs yeah. when they have the power play. And that's been one of their biggest problems too this year is kind of getting into the zone, having those zone entries and and really being able to set up from there. They just kind of get discombobulated and things don't go their way. I I wonder if maybe they're just a piece away. They add one more piece to this lineup. Maybe that can kind of unsalt, kind of crack the power play curse. But I, I wonder what your thoughts are. Well, people, look, here's the thing. Like some people, and I get it, they don't quantify or take face-offs as, as important as other people do. Um, we bring that up when I when I float the name Sean Monahan out there, and he's in the 56, 57 percentile, and they're like that. That's not a significant amount change from the overall team and stuff. But to me, it's like this team doesn't need much. It needs some tweaking, though. So why not address the things they're not good at? If you bring in a guy who's good at faceoffs, and maybe he takes three more faceoffs a game, what harm is that? Like I don't understand why fans are just like, oh, we don't need him, and blah blah blah. To me, it's like. You know, if you think they uh, are really good defensively and you can acquire another defensive defenseman or forward, why not? Like, why not get even better at it? I, that's how I view it. To me, I, I don't like I understand the qualifications of, of quantification, I should say, of faceoffs. Um, but I do think they're important. At the end of the day, I've always said it this way. You want possession of the puck. So yeah. I, I don't forget the Edmonton game where they lost because they couldn't win. They lost seven straight faceoffs in the last four minutes. Yeah. And Edmonton just – like so the chance for them to get back in that game was just gone. Uh, I remember a game in Dallas last year where um, Dallas – it was this one where it went off Hellebuck's mask and the whistle didn't go and stuff. They lost, I think, eight faceoffs in the last five minutes. Yeah. And they were up by a goal. If you win one of those face-offs, there's 20 to 30 seconds off the clock. So I just, I think it's, I would look at that. There are things on this team, as good as they are, that they need to improve on, and and that's one of them. I, I don't have a problem if they go out and get a guy who's better at the face-off, face-off dot than some of the players I have on the roster. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. And it, it's crazy the difference a year makes, eh? Like, yeah. around this time last year, I mean, there was still the optimism because they're still in a pretty well position in the playoff spot, but there you could just see the signs with that team last year. This team, to me, is a completely different team, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it, especially with the way they performed last night with all their injuries, all the things stacked against them. Like that is a really good performance for a team that's you're playing against a team that's one considered one of the elite in well, the that's league. That's my point. I think when things went south last year, they had a grand total of maybe seven wins in the last two months. Um, and, and that's what I think last night, that's what I take from the game. They played much better than against Boston. The system worked to a T to the point where they got a point with three of their biggest names out of the lineup. Um, if you continue to play that, I, I don't agree that it's going to, um, you know, go into the way it went last year. I think if you play like last night, even without your stars, you're going to get that extra point and you're going to pile up some points. So I think it's great, but I, I just, the secondary score needs to come to the forefront here. And, and I, I know in my experience anyway, I can't quantify this, but secondary scoring is always done well when the primary scoring is there because you have to f- worry about them and you have to defend them. I know I've seen secondary scoring dry up 
when you don't. So you have last night, Nemestikov, Ehlers, and Connor. And then after that, unless Niederreiter, unless Appleton, unless Ayafalo, unless, you know, somebody comes to the forefront and looks really dangerous, that's what I'm going to focus on. And I think they have to, and, and that's how they had success at the start of the year, that third line, was they imposed their will on other third lines. They need to, if this is going to continue, especially into Saturday, they need to start in, in, in forcing their will on on like the Leafs' bottom six Saturday night and produce two or three points. Yeah, and they don't always need, you don't always need the biggest name at the trade deadline. The guy last year provided the biggest impact, Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And I honestly thought last night, and you can give me your thoughts, I thought Rasmus Kapari was going to be the hero. I thought this game's going to end one nothing or 2-1 in overtime, and Kapari's going to have a goal. Uh, off that 2-on-1, I, I honestly thought that he was sneaking that right seven hole and he was going to have like a multi-goal <laughs> game. It was going to be the Rasmus Kapari breakout. Maybe he hits 27 miles per hour or whatever the NHL's tracking for speeds. Like Maybe he hits that... That yeah. extra gear that no one else has reached, but we're gonna have to take a break. Give us a give, shout out. Give us a shout on the text line 204-780-6868. Whether you're a Jets fan, a Leafs fan, let us know what you thought about the game. Maybe more so Jets fans and Leafs fans, but you're all welcome on Jets at noon. I'm Tyson Rewicki. <laughs> we're, we're very, we're very, we're very welcome. We're very we, welcome. We welcome every, everyone. <laughs> I'm Tyson Rewicki filling in for Cam Point, just alongside with Jim Toth. We'll be right back after we take a look at the forecast and update you on some sports right here on 680 CJOB. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Checking out the text line at 204-780-6868. Wait, wait, who's the coach? The coach? The one of the trivia question. Who oh, right. Three, good, one good, good thing you reminded me, Jim. My, uh, I'm in, scatterbrained. I can't figure it out. So... There was three. The old old school one, he blew a lead in 94-95 with the Capitals and 98-99 with the Phoenix Coyotes at the time. That was Jim Schoenfield. Okay. Why don't you have a donut, Koharski, Jim Schoenfield? <laughs> All-time quote. Yeah, you missed it because you fell, you fell. <laughs> All-time great quote. How dare um, you? Another How one. How dare you, Schoenfield? <laughs> another one, Dan Bilesma. Dan Bilesma, that's right. 2011 and 2014. And the coach Got him blew gassed a, in Pittsburgh over the yeah, second one. Yeah. Exactly. And the one who blew a lead in 0304 with Boston, who's a current NHL head coach, Mike Sullivan. The Pittsburgh right. Penguins have the most blown 3-1 leads out of any team with four. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, right? Pittsburgh, they got their cups, but kind of a loser franchise. Oh, here comes the Flyers. <laughs> real lo- they got their cups, but real Flyers yeah, exactly. back there. What, what, what did that even happen? But yeah. we're checking out uh, the text line, 204-780-6868. And we have Renald texting in. Very positive outcome last night. I apologize if I mispronounced your name. Uh, every guy playing with a good effort, even though no shifes, 44 or 13. Not like last year, and it shows character. And he also mentioned uh, Chicago PD earlier on the text line, an absolutely great show. Doc Rivers might even could do a guest appearance on that if you know you know. But <laughs> without any further ado, let's welcome in our guest here. He's gonna he's the program or the program content creator for the Winnipeg Jets and host of the Ground Control Podcast, Jamie Thomas. Jamie, how are we doing today? <laughs> Just another indication I have to change my title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. Con- just content creator for the Winnipeg Jets. My yeah, bad. I made a mistake. Not a problem. I have to 
I got to do something about that. So. Read read the seventh business card that Jamie's left here. Not the <laughs> yeah. top six, the seventh yeah. one. That's the correct title. I think someone was I'm playing. Bringing an expert into how I have to. How do I, what should my title be? I'll bring in some people, some analysts, and they'll tell me what I should do. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Jamie, for joining us. Yeah. Even with that uh, little bit of a butchering of an introduction, but no before problem. before we get into the hockey talk, let mm. us know: Does Jamie Thomas get an All Star break, or <laughs> does the grind just never stop for you, Jamie? Uh, the grind never stops, um, <laughs> but it's not obviously. Uh, you get to spend a little less time around the arena, so I, I think that um, I still have to come into the office. There's still there's still work to do. Uh, theoretically, because I got I'm gonna write an article on Ryan Bonus um, from the podcast I just did, and then of course, you know, hang around. So I'm just making trying to make it sound like I'm gonna be busy, but I will be at the office. How does that sound? Well, and you were on the road trip too, James. So yeah. I you have that five star whiskey voice that you landed at one thirty in the morning and didn't get to yeah. bed till three, but still made it to the office. So I applaud you. Thank um, you. But the real reason we're having you on is we want a full medical diagnosis of Josh Morrissey today, please. <laughs> For sure. Thank you. Took one in the nether region uh, and is going to be, they're going to check them out here real soon. I imagine tomorrow we'll we'll, we'll know more. But man, like I, I, it's amazing how little that happens in the National Hockey League, but that is not a good place to take a puck ever. That's what I thought of too. Like I immediately thought of the Blake Wheeler injury a couple of uh, seasons ago. And I'm like, that's, it's rare. I immediately thought that's rare that it happened to the same team in a short time span. But then again, I'm like, it's no, it's not. It's weird that it doesn't happen more often when you think of block shots and everything. Right, and, and the other part that, that's what I that's what I mean, right? It's uh, it, it's around the area where you're going to block. Like there's that seems to be the area where a lot of shots go, and I, I'm amazed with all the tips and stuff like that out there that that, that this doesn't happen more often, but. Uh, the worst part of it is is trying to write down what the injury is. You're just like you ask around, how do I put this? Uh, <laughs> like, how do I write this? What should I say at this part? So, uh, and we're not, of course, making fun of Josh Morrissey getting injured. It's just the complications of saying what what the injury is. So, um, it's it's odd that it's happened twice now in, in two years. Uh, hopefully, Josh's injury isn't as as uh, severe as, as Blake Wheeler's was. Um, and but I, I guess the benefit of it is you do have well, you play Saturday and there's ten days off in between. So whatever it is, he has time to heal from it. Whatever, how however bad it is. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned uh, that that it's happened twice in the past two years. I think before yeah. that we have to go all the way back to like the 08 playoffs where Patrick Thorson took a shot in the Nether yeah. regions and he missed some time. But uh, adding on to that Josh Morrissey talk. Jamie, yeah. who would you like to see step up in this potential absence of Josh Morrissey? Well, I mean, obviously you're giving an opportunity. You know, Declan Chisholm and, and, and Logan Stanley have been patiently waiting for this uh, some time. So if Josh Morrissey is going to miss some, uh, you, you got to look at both of them. I mean, is is I mean, there's just no way there's no way around it, right? Too. So, but you have Declan Chisholm, who's known more known more for his skating and his and his offensive ability, so this is a good opportunity for him. But I, I can't see how the Jets don't give both players a chance. And, and clearly this means Neil Pionk's role is going to change. Likely, you know, he's going to go on the top power play unit um, in, in, jo- in Morrissey's absence, and then it's going to be more. So I, I think it's going to be Declan Chisholm because you need a, a power play defenseman there. Um, I still think Billy Hainala has got a, you know, you're not going to call him up when you already have two other defensemen there as it is. So, um, to me, it's a great opportunity for Declan Chisholm and Logan Stanley. 
Um, but let's keep in mind there's just one game here um, coming up before a, a very long break. So um, to me, if I had to guess, I would be. I think it would be Declan Chisholm gets an opportunity. The debate is raging in the city and the province, probably in all Jets fans. Was that a great game last night, or was that a boring game? And I think it was a great game, and because it was they got a great game, but yeah, because they got back to that system that that really controls and and defends, and that's what yeah. um, you know got out of their zone. That's what Rick Bonus was talking about after the Boston game. And I get why some fans say it was boring because they didn't score a goal and the game ended one yeah. nothing. But to me, that's a great game, and the reason it's a great game, James is because of the two players on the top line that are out, Josh Morrissey for the majority of the game, and yet they had that successful system. Can you talk a little bit about that and then maybe even touch on the goalies? I'm not trying to say I could yeah. be a net under this system and, and find success, but if you can play this kind of hockey, missing those key players, you're yeah. going to go and, and have a Connor Hallebuck or a Leroy Brassois net, you are going to go a long way. 100%. And, and then here's... Let's go further to what you said about if you're if you were back there you could you could win some games. Lauren Bressois was asked about you know the lull in the first period and having being able to stay sharp. And we've heard Bressois say numerous times he loves you know those games where you get 30, 40 shots because it keeps you active and keeps you know he likes those types of games. But he did say not with this group, right? That's that's something that he's had to get used to the the amount of lack of opportunities that they are giving up. And and listen. You can say what you want about the game last night, but if if it wasn't for a uh, turnaround effort from from Ilya Samsonov, there's no that game's like five nothing. Like there's the Leafs did not even belong on the same ice surface. And the only reason why that game was even even was the amount of penalties that were called in the thir- in the second period that took the thing out. But it's back to your original point, Jim. They Matthews and Mitch Marner, who have usually you see them every time they play the Jets. I felt they were invisible last night. I thought Marner had a good chance in the first period. I didn't see Matthews get anything last night. They kept everything to the outside. There was nothing up the middle. The seam passes that the Leafs are so good at, they didn't have that. Um, William Nylander was kept you know, to the outside. I, I think he got inside just one time. So the fact that they did all that without Mark Shifley, Gabe Velarde, and of course when their Jets were down to five defensemen over the final two periods and overtime for that matter, it was as impressive as it gets. And for them to bounce back the way they did from the way they played, I thought Ottawa really stifled them. They had a hard time giving away the pocket of the Sens blue line. They did not do that last night. They didn't do they didn't they played much better in Boston the third period, so I felt they carried the momentum from that. But the the defensive structure that they played last night will win you a ton of hockey games. And if you're a Leaf fan looking right now, that's not good. The way they played last and the way they've been playing recently, there's no way that team goes anywhere because they were in trouble. They turned the puck over four times in the offensive zone in the first period. It's it's a miracle that the Jets walked out of there with one point last night with how much they dominated that hockey game. Yeah, I, I agree, Jamie. And also, like, with the t- injuries to Mark Scheifele and Gabe Velarde, and you mentioned how well that the Jets played last night, does Rick Bonus kind of alter the game plan going into that game, knowing that two thirds of their top line are going to be out, or is it kind of just business as usual for the Jets? I think it's business as usual, and there's still a possibility. I mean, the, Rick has been clear about it. it's like day to day with Velarde and Shifley, but you know, the more watching Shifley skate on the road, he's got to be close because he's skating more and more, and he's cutting, and the, like obviously, whatever lower body it injury it, it is. He's looked solid skating, and and as I mentioned, he's skated lots more. So I feel like there's a chance he plays tomorrow. But there's always that you're always you're probably telling yourself, okay, well we got ten days off after this. Is it worth it? And and Rick said this yesterday. His health comes first. When he tells us he's ready, 
he'll be ready. So it all goes in tomorrow. But you can't change anything you did. You absolutely dominated the Leafs on their home ice. Now you got now you have last change here. You've reunited the Lowry line. So there's just the fact they've done all this that yesterday against a team that's supposed to be a Stanley Cup threat, um, missing the two players we talked about and putting the lines together. Like we we have to like I, I go in a million directions here. Vladimir Mesnikov. You put him between. You put that guy between uh, Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. That line looks dangerous. And, you know, great work by Dominic Toninato between Cole. Cole Perfetti had a tremendous game last night. So it's the depth on this hockey team keeps getting tested over and over and over again, and it, it comes through with flying colors. So if you don't have Velarde or Shifley tomorrow, you continue to play the way you did, and I you'll win. 90, 95% of the time if you keep playing the way that they did yesterday because, as Rick said, Bonus said yesterday, that's the best game they played on the road trip, by, you know, and, and I'll add to it, by 100 miles. We only have about a minute left, but the consensus yeah. is the last couple of weeks with the lack of scoring and the injuries, they need one more piece. That's what we're getting yeah. from listeners for a couple of days now today on the text mm-hmm. line. What that piece is, no one's like really saying, but yeah. um, do you agree? And I kind of think that too. Like Out of the game, as much as I liked the game last night and the way they played – It'd be nice to have a second line center with with some a little bit more scoring touch or or what have you. Do you think mm. they they see that the same way? Do you think they're they're looking at adding one more piece? I, I think they are, Jim, but I don't think they can fairly do that until they have a full roster. Whether or not that transpires is another story in itself. But how does it look when you have Shifley, Velarde, Connor on your top line and you go down the road? Um, I'm not saying they don't go look for another second center because they do need somebody that is very more consistent in face-offs, in my opinion. Um, but I think there's still time here. They're not going to panic, as we've seen Kevin Day off and company. They don't make rushed decisions here. You have to see what your lineup looks like when it's all together. And that even includes the power play, right? And who knows how long Josh Morris is going to be out for here now, too. So um, I my belief is that it's, it's pretty obvious you need a second-line center. But I still think you have to see what this group looks like before you make that type of decision and the type of assets you're going to have to send the other way. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us today and taking the time. But before you go, can you let the people know where they can see your work? <laughs> just go to just go to NHL.com slash Jetson. Uh, the Ground Control uh, podcast will be there every week. This time it's Ryan Bonus. Great stories about Rick as a dad and as a grandfather. Um, growing up with Rick, uh, is, is, it's really good. Ryan was really good. and He took time to talk to us in Ottawa, so... Uh, he's got a great career, of course, in front of him as the associate general manager of the, of the Ottawa Senators hockey family. So uh, make sure you check it out. Yeah, listeners will really get a kick out of this with the bonus family. And also Ryan used to work for the Jets, too. So yeah. there's that connection, too. He's a really good guy, really good uh, episode on the podcast. So by all means, tune it in. Larry Simmons was his roommate, uh, too, when uh, when Ryan was working here to start. So <laughs> The Don Draper of the Winnipeg Jets front office? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I'm like, what? Larry Simmons was your roommate? And I didn't get enough time for more stories. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you, man. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, that, James. That was Jamie Thomas, content creator for the Winnipeg Jets and host of the Ground Control Podcast. There we go. There we go. There we go. Got that one. Got it. We're going to take a break. That's the title. We'll be right back with some interesting quotes out of Los Angeles. Jets at noon. We'll be right back here on 680 CJOB. Cookie night. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. 
I think we got guys in this room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points and worried about stuff like that. We get a 3-1 lead tonight, and you know, guys start thinking it's a it's a cookie night, and we stop playing the way we know how to play, have an awful second period, and then aren't much better in the third. Uh, it's about the team. It's not about yourself. You guys on this team will need to realize that. That was LA Kings defenseman Drew Doughty after the Kings lost again to the Buffalo Sabres. They blew another lead. That's 12 losses in their last 14 games. And Jim, Drew Doughty put it best. No more no more cookie nights. No, no more cookie nights. <laughs> to go Kings. up 3-1, we think it's cookie night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is what he said alone is a direct shot. But when you add in the cookie night and to come from Drew Doughty, right? Like that speaks volumes. But... I don't know what's going on. We know that Todd McClellan has called out um, Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, earlier this week saying that whether it's four minutes or 24 minutes, he needs to start making an impact on the game. And it's been long enough. And I agree with that. Like, And I've talked a lot about how when you sign a new deal, go to a new city, you're probably building up, especially a deal of that magnitude, you're not renting. You're going, okay, well, let's rent and let's build or let's shop around. He's, like Other distractions of when you go to a new team. So i got a lot of runway for guys who, like, say the Jets signed a free agent or, you know, I, I heard this about Hellebuck the first year that, um, you know, okay, so now he's going to stop rent. He's going to build a house. And so every day when he leaves the rink now, it's not like go home, have a nap, play with the dog, go ice fishing. It's I got to look at blueprints and the cabinet guy's not there yet, but the window guy is and they can't put the windows into the cabinet. So I'm just like saying, like, there's things going on. But the way he's playing and the fact that when they moved him down to the third line, he had a couple of Columbus Blue Jacket shifts, if you know what I'm referencing. Yeah, I know we talked exactly. about that. Um, it's atrocious. And and But now the rest of the team has some issues too, right? It kind of reminds me of the year the Jets were on the cover of the Hockey News and they said in two years, this is your Stanley Cup champions. And they came into the season or the next season and they, everybody thought it was going to go like just glowingly and stuff. And they just couldn't figure things out. And and that's what it was. They thought that they were going to score a ton of goals every single night and they were going to win a ton of games. Um, and I think that's what the LA Kings are going through. But but that's scaling comments. And, and I heard a podcast yesterday, just a clip of it, where they were saying, why did the LA Kings go all in on Pierre-Luc Dubois? Yeah. And I, and I kind of have time for Dubois because he has shown he's a 60-plus point player and a really good second-line center. And they went in on him because Kopitar in two years is probably going to be retiring, so I get that he signed him to the deal. But the way he's playing right now is is an awful start. And then what the podcast, I think was Spit and Chicklets were kicking around, is why would you do that for Dubois? Yeah. Like, if you're going to go all in on a guy like this, why don't you wait for McDavid to be a UFA? Or why don't you wait for Dreisaitl? Or why don't you wait for, like, the names of centers that are coming up in free agency this year and next year? I just kind of thought, like, man, you must have seen something. Or And again, when he signed there, I, I thought it was a great fit. Yeah. I thought you put Deneau on the third line and him in the second and Kopitar up top, and for the next two to three years, you've got something, and then he would eventually be your number one center. There's still a lot of leeway or runway with this contract for Dubois. But to me, what Dowdy's talking about includes Dubois, but it's not just Dubois. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned that there definitely is a lot of runway, and he can totally turn things around. We've seen him have that ability to take over games when he wants to, but to have your head coach come out to the media and kind of just rip you apart. And we're we're just over halfway through the season of an eight-year contract. And then even head coach Tom McClellan also went in yesterday after the game, and he had some great quotes that we'll listen to right now. Yep. I would call that stupid hockey. And I I think I explained that right off the bat. Um, 
look, we've we've struggled to score goals. I think that's evident. And all of a sudden, you get three in the first uh, couple minutes, and then everybody thinks they're coming out of their individual scoring slumps. And guess what? Mm, suck on that at the end of the night, and that's how it went. Yeah, it's it's not going great in LA right now. Like you. It's crazy to look at the first 20 games of the season and everyone's kind of like, oh, this LA team, they might have a legitimate chance to kind of run the table. They're in a, a weaker division than some of the others. And now you fast forward another 20 games and... They had a question about goaltending and Talbot, you know, was a question mark and then he turned out to be great start to the season. Yeah. They had a they added depth down the middle. This is a team that made the playoffs last year and a lot of people, including myself, thought, well, if they take the next step and then they went and got Dubois and I'm like, well, there's your next step. Down the middle, they look as good as any team in the Western Conference. And yet, so, I mean, it's it's dark times in L.A. right now. Yeah, and we look at it, like, it's not just the, the Dubois deal itself. We look, It's Velarde, Ayafalo, Kupari coming in the Dubois yeah. deal. The Kings also had to ship out Sean Dersey to Arizona, who has been phenomenal really for the good. Coyotes. Really and good for them. That's a piece they could really use right now. And Sean Walker, too, on the Flyers. He's been really good for the Flyers this year, and that's another yeah. piece they could use on that and team. And I, I look at the way they play some games and what Dowdy said about we get up 3-1 and think it's cookie night. Well, you don't think it's cookie night when you have Velarde and Ayafalo in the lineup. Those are guys that play the same way night in, night out, do not give up a lot, really good responsibility, has a scoring touch in Velarde. So the trade right now just looks atrocious for the Kings. Yeah, it's not not looking great for LA. Because I think those two players alone, Kapari as well, but those two players alone would help this team win more games. LA, I mean. Totally. And not looking great for LA, but that's where we'll have to end it for today's show. We're going to be back tomorrow, free for all Friday. Free for all. Ahead of a weekend game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll tee up that game, but also so many people saying they're a piece away, they're a piece away. Tomorrow's free for all Friday. Let's hear your pieces. Yeah. Who do you want on the team? Do you want the Jets to trade almost everyone for Nathan McKinnon? You have any crazy ideas like that? Just toss him in. He's Who a cares? floater. Okay. He's a floater. <laughs> he's, 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 no he's a Nikita floater Kucherov. who's on absolutely fire right now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he's no Kucherov. No Nikita Kucherov. Special thanks to Tamana and Max. Really appreciate the help. For Jim Toth, I'm Tyson Rewicki. Keep it locked right here on 680 CJOB. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.